Oh, good morning. Welcome to Community Church. Welcome if you're joining us online. Bless you. Thanks for those that are here in the room. I know some of you are visiting today. Some of you are regulars. Bless you. Listen, as we go into worship, I want to tell you we have an opportunity. It, it said that uh, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were refused to worship Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, they were thrown into the fire and all of their shackles, all of their, their what was tying them, what was impeding them, disintegrated. We have an opportunity to draw near to God today. And the things, the shackles we don't even know we have will begin to disintegrate. The closer you draw to him, the more freedom you begin to experience. And, and the whole journey, the whole Christian journey is about how close can you draw? How much nearer can you get? These things are within your power. And I'll give you a little story. I, I did a little Facebook thing a few weeks ago for a friend. And uh, when I was young and attending the, I won't say what church, I didn't understand anything about it. We didn't have to go that often. But if my mom asked me, did you go to church? You know, if I had gone to church, I said, yeah, I went to church. But it was like a, a box I checked. I went to church, check. That kind of going to church is almost useless. It's kind of like this guy I saw in the gym one day. He probably told his wife he was a regular at this gym but he seriously, when I looked at his body language, when I looked at his physical condition, I thought, this guy's never done a serious day of workout in his whole life. But he was at the gym regularly. But he walked around with his water bottle, and mostly he did nothing. He, he you know, had a towel around his shoulder occasionally, get on a machine and push it a couple times with minimal weight. Mostly he drank water, went to the water cooler, looked around. But you know what? If his wife asked him, did you go to the gym? He said, yeah, I went to the gym. Check that box. But there's a difference between going to the gym and actually working out. And there's a difference between just going to church and actually drawing near. We have an opportunity to come near to the most powerful force you can ever know. Greater than universe. The, the nations are a drop in the bucket as compared to him. And we can draw near to him today. Whatever ails you, whatever things keep you in a lower orbit of existence can disappear this very day. This very day. So God, we say we will draw near to you. We will draw near to you. Let your glory fill this place. Let your honor Fill this place, blessing and glory and honor to your name. Blessing, honor, and glory to your name. Let's worship him with all our hearts today. You know, I don't know what the Lord is intending for this morning. But I want to tell you a dream I had this week. I'm not a, I'm not a big prophetic dreamer, but I had a dream and we were worshiping as we are today. But somehow we were here, but we were outside because the front of the building wasn't here. It's like we were outside, but we were here. And uh, all of a sudden, there began to be a rumble 
and people begin to become astounded at an activity that was happening. And I was standing right about there, and I was looking up here. And in the sky, there, there began to be a, a glow, and then there began to be like wisps of white light flaming through the air. And it just, it began to, it's like this vortex of light began to flicker across the horizon. And then all of a sudden, a friend of mine, who I won't name, was standing right here. And I saw him slightly to my right. And he began to yell and he said, everybody duck, everybody duck, everybody duck. And everybody hit the ground. And there was like a sonic boom. An explosion of glory. And it, it, it went like a mushroom cloud out in every direction. And I watched it. I watched it flutter, white, cloud-like ripple across the sky. And it carried us in an anointing. And, I, I, and, and the, the dream, I, nothing else happened except I saw myself going out in the power of that ripple with a confidence that something was going to appear in our voices that had never been there before. Father, we don't know how to unlock the things that you have for us. God, we are here to say we want to know. We want to touch you. We want to know you. Lord, we want to explore the boundaries and the outermost limits of those things that you have appointed for the sons and daughters of the Most High. We declare, Father, that you are great and greatly to be praised. And we know that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But, Father, we say, God, invest in us by removing the veil that causes us to not see what has been given. Let's just take a few more minutes. You know, in the Old Testament, it says that we should seek Him while he can be found. And the promise he gave us is that when we seek him with all of our hearts, we will find him. And you might be thinking, yeah, but I already know him. I've already found him. The God that we are dealing with is a God of infinite knowledge whose ways are past finding out And he has yet more to reveal to you. But the secret things are the precious things that he's waiting to pour out on those who seek him with all their heart. God, Father, we are grateful that you have given us knowledge of you. But, Father, many of us stand at a place of frustration, at a place of hopelessness. Like weary travelers crossing the desert, Lord, we long for the oasis that is yet to be found. Father, I pray, God, that if not an oasis today, a refreshing rain would touch the souls 
of everyone that thirsts. Father, to replenish hope, to energize within us a vision to know that just beyond the next, the next ridge, there's something. The knowledge that compels us to continue in this journey because if not just beyond the next ridge, then beyond the one right after. Lord, the sense of imminence, impending glory. Father, we know <laughs> there's more. And everybody said amen. What that means is, yeah, I believe it. The infinitely beautiful plan that you have for the redemption of the nations. And Father, we turn our hearts to you today to say, Lord, we, uh, we want to be changed. We want to be changed. Come on, let that desire inside of you rise up. You know, when the seed breaks its chamber and the husk yields to the force of life inside the seed, There's no stopping that growth. There's no stopping that development. God is wanting to give life to the things that you don't even know need to burst forth. But there's junctures of transformation in your life, in all of your lives. And I'm talking to people in the room and people online that you are not made for your present reality. You are not made for the limitations of the sins that beset your life. You are not made for the darkness that bites at your heels. You are not made for the depression that confines your mind and your emotions. You are not made for slavery. You are not made for bondage. You were made for freedom. So, Lord, let that, that reality, the promise... The inevitable <laughs> superimposition of life on death, light on darkness, transcend every other seeming reality in Jesus' name. Mm. This morning as I was uh, on my way here, I was thinking about how we do church and, and how we get into the, uh, the rote patterns of coming to church and and um, we are limited largely by our expectations we are limited by the fact that well nothing great happened yesterday nothing great happened last week and uh, and so we come and we don't expect but I believe there's an atmosphere of expectation that God is fueling inside of us and Father, I just want to, you know, this is going to be a mixture of declaration, teaching, prophecy, because I am, I'm wanting us to pull on the reins of heaven. I want us to pull on the, on the God who said, fear not, little children, it's my good pleasure. I am eager to give you the kingdom. I am eager to give you breakthrough. I'm eager to transcend the problems 
the circumstances of your life and give you something you've never seen before. I am not only willing, I am eager. It's my good pleasure. I desire to do this. And Lord, we draw upon that goodwill today. We declare that we know that you are a good God. We know that there's more available. We know, Lord, that the current definition of the church is not the final status. And Lord, we will break the stasis of the moment to go into what it is you've called us to be, overcomers. And we know that even creation, creation is on pins and needles, eagerly anticipating, waiting, looking for the manifestation of those who have an appearance like unto the Son of Man, like unto the glory of the risen one. Creation has seen, creation has been marked with an expectation. And it eagerly waits and groans for the day when it also will be delivered And it knows that when you, us, when we come to a fullness of transformation, when we come into a completeness, when Ephesians 4 is fulfilled and the fivefold ministry succeeds in training and releasing a people who come into the unity of the knowledge and of the faith of the Son of God, creation will be delivered. And whether it was that dream, that picture in that dream, but there's coming an explosion of light. And whether it's preceded by many explosions, whether it's preceded by personal deliverance or breakthrough or healing or a resurrection, we anticipate a rash of breakthroughs as heaven. Heaven breaks through. Oh, <laughs> When Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, he is saying the shield of darkness, the veil that's over the nations, will not be able to sustain its hold over the minds of the people. He is saying that though right now darkness is on the land and on certain peoples, that there's a glory that's going to rise upon you. Even though it says that there's a veil of darkness that blinds the minds of the unbelieving, This is the promise that that veil cannot perpetually stand. That it is now feeling the volleys, feeling the volleys, the penetrating power of a church that's worshiping, of a church that's praying, of a people that are eager, who know, who know we're not just hoping, we know what is on our horizon Let it come, 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 let it come. I'm just reminded of when Jesus was walking along the road to Emmaus, and there was two disciples that were with him, and they were disillusioned, they were hopeless because, of course, Jesus had died, and they had heard that he had been resurrected. They had heard, but you know how it is. You know, good news. I mean, when you don't believe, good news, uh, it's just a rumor. A conspiracy theory that Jesus rose from the dead. So the Pharisees are saying, it's a conspiracy theory. Not really real, not really happened. And so, so they're walking on the road. And as they're walking, they don't realize what's happening but something inside them is being quickened. 
Something inside them is being made increasingly alive. And, and later on, they describe that something as a burning inside of them. I'm speaking to the burning that's inside of you. I'm speaking to the seed that God put in you when you were born again. A seed of eternal life that cannot be quenched, cannot be put aside, cannot be nullified by the power of death. There is something inside of you. And I'm saying, let it live, let it live, let it live. All over this nation, Father, all over this province. I'm telling you, it looks maybe to some like darkness is prevailing. And this COVID thing and, and uh, I mean, the sexual revolution, the progressive Christianity, all the bad news that you can summarize. It's nothing in the face of a God who has another level. It's nothing in the face of a God who say, listen, come up higher, church, that seems to be dwarfed by the ebbs and flows of this darkness. Come up higher. I've got more for you today. And you may think, well, I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. I've never had a vision. I've never been taken to heaven. I mean, I see through a glass darkly, and that glass sometimes is so dark, I'm not sure that there's anything moving on the other side. But you have the capacity to believe right now. Father, let the hearts of your people burn with a promise, with an expectation. Father, and even even now, Father, I draw, I pray, we badly need the generation over 50. The generation over 50, I want to declare to you, it's not the time to retire. It's not the time to wind down. It's not the time to be thinking about your retirement. It's not the time about, about to fade into the darkness. That you have faith. You have faith that can energize a generation. And we draw upon the power of that faith today. Resurrection life. Let resurrection hope. Let resurrection reality come. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And I'm seeing... I'm seeing the shackles of darkness. I'm seeing, I'm seeing the doubting. I'm seeing the, 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 uh, the, the, the back and forth conviction of is this real? How real is it? In Jesus' name, I say, let it fall to the ground. Hmm. Tell you what, I am more convinced than ever. When Paul said, you know, I have... I have a house not made with hands. I have a dwelling beyond this dwelling. And as this dwelling is fading, as this house is, is collapsing, I know that I know that I know that to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. I tell you, the day is going to come when we're going to see many more martyrs in the church in North America. We're going to be seeing, and I don't want you, when you see martyrs, when you see people dying, I don't want you to grieve, I want you to rejoice. You know, I, I remember when I first read the, the story of Stephen as he was martyred, I thought, oh, how terrible. I thought of, you know, here's a young man of faith who's got his whole life ahead of him. 
I thought, you know, here's a guy who was, he was happening. There was a ministry in formation. He could have been an apostle. He could have been a, an evangelist that could shake the nations, but he was killed in his prime. And I thought, how terrible that that, that body of knowledge and skill and information that was being accumulated, that faith that was there, you know, but God, is, God was not bothered by that. In fact, Jesus stood. Jesus stood. He saw Jesus standing. He saw Jesus standing. The heavens opened, and he saw Jesus standing, ready to receive him. Why? Because death is not the end. It's the beginning. Ah. And this, this is the revelation that God is trying to bring to us. Because fear has settled upon and grasped the reins of our hearts because we fear We fear. It says that the world has held all their lives captive at Satan's will because of the fear of death. And God is saying, I want a people who aren't afraid of dying. I want a people who are not afraid of losing anything. Now, how how real is that step? How real is it? Father, Let that conviction grow in Jesus' name. God wants to give you a glimpse of heaven that is so real, you'll have the same conviction that the Apostle Paul had when he said, you know, I'm not even sure where I want to be. I'm not, you know, on the one hand, I want to go. What is that? Go where? Go to Jerusalem? Go to Rome? No, go to be with the Lord. But he said, for your sake, I'm willing to stay. So I'm pulled between these two things. But I'd just as happy give this up to go there. Do you have that conviction? If you're watching online, do you know that if you died today, you would suddenly be there in paradise with God? Do you know that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt God, I pray that you would increase this expectation inside of us. Well, listen, I, I want to talk about something, and none of that had anything to do with it. But I want you to know that, that the enemy works by a system of containment. System of containment. And, uh, you know, the Bible illustrates this. You talk about gates, you know, the gates of hell. We won't talk about that too much, but it talks about veils, things being veiled. And not every veil is the same, and some veils are thicker. And if you've traveled the nations much, you, re- you know that. You know that you can go into some places, and the darkness is thicker than other places. Remember years ago, going, taking some folks with me, we were in the Philippines and Indonesia, and I told my friend, I said, listen, I, when we went to Indonesia, I said, I said I'm going to have you preach tonight. We're in a hotel in a place called Manado. And as I, I feel like you're to, you're to share tonight, but realize that this is not the Philippines. This is a Muslim nation. This is, this is Indonesia. Different spiritual atmosphere than the, the, the other one. And so things might be darker, heavier than, than you're able to cope with. If that's the case, look at me, look at me, and I'm going to give you a signal. You can just call me up. You know? So anyway, my friend got up. And he didn't realize, I, I don't think he didn't believe me, but he didn't realize how substantial darkness can be at different times. 
And he got up and he began to he began to 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 share and he was very exuberant, very uplifting, very positive, very energetic. But that quickly waned as that atmosphere got the better of him and within 5 minutes he had literally run out of any anything to say. I've been in that situation where where you're suddenly you're in front of a crowd of people and it feels like the darkness is caving in on you and you feel like the ground that you are standing on is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and you don't know what to do or where to go. Anyway, he ran out of things to say and couldn't think of anything else to say so he took an altar call five minutes into this thing. So, there are levels of darkness but you know what? There are levels of glory. There are levels of glory. Infinite levels of glory. And I know sometimes when we talk about these things, some people get uncomfortable because are you saying that some people experience more glory than others? I'm saying not maybe, but absolutely. Absolutely. There are people today experiencing far above anything I have ever seen. So this last week I was in Lethbridge at the Dominion Conference and I spoke on this and I talked about how when Israel came to Mount Sinai to meet God, God said, listen, put boundaries around the mountain and don't let the people touch the mountain. And he said, listen, don't even come near me unless you're clean. So he said, have them sanctify themselves for three days. Then on the third day they can come. So they washed themselves, abstained from certain activities. He said, come up to that mountain, but no further than the base of the mountain. No further than the boundaries that you put around. But if you go and you look in Exodus 24, it says that Moses was permitted after the initial visitation to go up the mountain. Furthermore... He brought 70-some people with him. He brought the high priest. He brought his brother Aaron. He brought Joshua. He brought, uh, I can't remember the other name, but and 70 elders, I think it was. And it says they all ascended the mountain, and then they saw God. They saw God. What is this discrepancy? What is, I thought we were all the same. I thought we all get the same thing. No, we don't get the same thing. You're not going to be standing at the entrance of heaven. You don't get a white robe and a harp and they're all the same. Jesus said there are realms of dominion. And one will rule over ten cities and one will rule over five cities and one will rule over one city. There are degrees of proximity. There are degrees of proximity in heaven to God and proximity to the King of kings and the Lord of lords is the greatest reward. But God is saying, listen, You are carving out your place in eternity right now. Right now, you are carving that out. And it's not incumbent upon whether you're a preacher, whether you're a prophet, whether you have high-level spiritual experiences here right now. It's not incumbent entirely on that. It's incumbent upon faithfulness, but it's also incumbent. It it rests on, it, it hinges on the pursuit of him. Father, I pray today for more. Now, let me read this scripture. Actually, before I read this, let me tell you a story. I've had, I've had three life-changing moments. The first one when I was born again. Three life-changing moments. Now, I've never been caught up to heaven. I've never seen an open vision. 
Open vision. You know what an open vision is? That's where you see a different reality right in front of you. The room you're in disappears and you see something else. I've never had that. I've had internal visions. I've never heard God audibly, but I've heard God internal audibly, which is almost as close. Well, it's as close as you can to God speaking audibly to you. In fact, actually, I don't even know if it was audible or inaudible, but it was amazing. But I've never had some of the experiences of others, but I've had three watershed moments in my life. And I can tell you for sure that leading up to every single one of them, there is a process. There is a process. There is a a preparation in the same way that Israel was prepared to meet God in Mount Sinai. You are prepared to meet the Lord by some occasion, some circumstances in your life. And it's often predicated, if you look at at uh, James 4, it's predicated upon humility and the breaking of pride. Probably that's the most significant thing in your life. God wants to break pride because you know what? God resists the proud. That means, that means you stay back there. You stay at a distance. Resist you. Come no closer. But you said if we draw near to us, you would draw near to you, if we draw near to you, you would draw near to us. Yes. Except pride does not allow the proud man to draw near. The proud man stays at a distance, thinking, well, you know, if God really wants me, you know, he'll do something for me to show his re- reality. If God really wants me, he'll prove himself to me. Yeah, no, that's not pride. Asking the master of the universe to subject himself and yet and yet God so loved the world that he gave so the goodness of God is such that God from on occasion will penetrate the superficiality of your faith and break through the self-righteousness and the pride and touch you in a way that you don't deserve but his aim is that you would come under the hand of grace in humility to experience more of him but anyway, first time I experienced God in a dramatic way. I was sitting in a bar in Cold Lake, Alberta, and the glory of the Lord came in the room. The second time I experienced the glory of the Lord was in my dorm room at Christ for the Nations in Dallas, Texas in 1984, I think it was. A life-changing moment. And the third time, now, I've experienced God a lot, but these were, these were colossal life-changing moments. I'm, I, think, I think I'm due for another one. So I'm leaning in. But I think I'm due. But in the third one, and I want to talk about the third one, because in the third one, it was in my second year at Christ of the Nations in Dallas, Texas, and we were on a second-year retreat, and I, I, I went out, and uh, I, was in a, I was in a bad place. I was in Bible college, but God had had me in this wild desert, dry place where I couldn't feel God. I couldn't see God. I couldn't. There was nothing in my world that told me that God was alive or real in any way. And what had happened is, is it suddenly the fuel, the grace behind my prayer life and my devotion to the scripture. Suddenly I, I couldn't read the Bible like I could the year before. And I occasionally pick it up and read it, but it was as dry as sand. 
And I just, I just couldn't seem to go anywhere. And I'd go to meetings, but I couldn't experience the presence of God. And I wasn't feeling the energizing activity of the Holy Spirit. I didn't feel a flutter. I didn't feel a burning. I didn't feel anything at all. All I felt was condemnation. All I felt was guilt. All I felt was, was disapproval. But it wasn't God disapproving of me. It was the condition of pride manifesting in my life. And what God does is he, God, 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 is, God endures forever. Pride cannot. You know what I mean? A boastful man can boast for a while, but as everything around him begins to collapse, eventually he awakens the fact that he did not have power to sustain the world he thought he, he owned. And when that happens, that man will begin to realize that there are forces beyond him, greater than him, that he has acquiesced to, that he has no power over. And that is the essence of humility, realizing you don't sustain your world, but your world is sustained by a glorious God who holds all things in the power of his hand. Now, God's desire is to bring you into the administration of all those things. But he can't bring in the proud. Because as soon as he brings the proud in, as soon as he gives you, and some of you have struggled with this, you've had this happen, where suddenly God gives you a role, a place, an influence, and all of a sudden your head gets bigger and you think you're so great. Now he has to find some way to remind you that you're not that great. That this was a gift. Your intelligence is a gift. Your self-awareness was a gift. Your ability... To analyze is a gift. Your ability to feel is a gift. Man, I could, I could talk about this a lot, but I'm. Let me. I'll tell you one story. Somebody I know and I have had this discussion very often. But I, I have a weakness, that is maybe a gift. I am very sensitive. I have a son who's equally sensitive, and that means anything touches my body, I feel it. So one day my son was three years old and he whipped, ripped off his sock in, in frustration and he threw it. He says, it's not working. And we couldn't figure out what was wrong with the sock. And finally, Wendy realized that the seam on the inside of the sock was protruding too violently into his toes. And the only way, that's what it felt like to him, Violent intrusion into my life. The seam of the sock is too rough. I feel it. I cannot take a step. I, I feel it. I feel it. If you can wear socks and not feel that, what virtue is that? What have you done to negate the irritation that that is? It's not an, inter- an irritation. You don't feel it. What have you done to not feel that? I get cold a lot. and Some people are fond of calling me a baby because I'm cold. What virtues have you embraced such that you do not feel a register cold in your body? You see, what if everything we have was given? Humility opens a door of proximity to the Father. 
And God would pour out on us much, 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 much more if he, if, if he was sure we would not use it to subjugate others to our will. And so he dispenses according to, he's balancing between what he needs done and what we can handle. Now, what was I talking about? I'm talking about drawing near to God. So I was, I was in this place where I, I wasn't feeling God, wasn't experiencing, and I didn't know where it all went. And I thought, what am I doing here? Why am I in Bible school? Why am I training to be a minister? I'm not even sure God likes me anymore. And I found myself at the second year retreat, and a man named Ron Walrobe was, was speaking, who about a year later died in a plane crash in South America. And he was speaking. It was just this phenomenal presence came. And all of a sudden, I came to my senses. I came to my senses. Talks in the Bible about us praying for people that they could come to their senses. Uh, Right now, and I prophesied it in the prayer meeting earlier, but I'm prophesying to people in this region that all across Parkland County and beyond, there are people who used to come to church. There are people who used to be worship leaders. There are people with anointings and callings. You were excited about God at one point in your life, and you were ready to give everything, and now you're on the backside of a spiritual desert, and you waffle between serving God and not serving God. But you have a vague belief that God is real, but your functionality is almost non-existent. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you that there's coming a moment of wokeness. There's coming a moment of resurrection. There's coming a moment when God is going to blow a trumpet and you will awake from your spiritual captivity. I didn't see it as spiritual captivity, but it was a measure, a limited measure of captivity. Huh. And I was, I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, as I'm sitting there, I feel the distance between me and God. And the first thing I thought is like, how did I not know this? How did I not realize? And I saw the whole past year, that it's like I spent a year backing up from God. I spent a year retreating from God. And I can't go into the dyna- dynamics of it, but it was basically shame. Pride, self-righteousness, and human effort. And every time I, be, I thought human effort will, can get me closer, me cleansing myself can get me closer, me being better can get me closer, that only made me further. Each step was preceded by a vow that I could get there. God, anyway, so here I am. And I didn't realize, but I was at the breaking point. I was at the point where God could, didn't have to resist me anymore. I was at the point where, where God is saying, now I'm going to show you what I can do. And I'm sitting there, and as I perceive the distance 
I, I immediately think, oh God, I need you. I've got to close the gap between you and me. I've got to close this gap. I can't live out here. I'm dying. I didn't even realize I'm dying, but I feel like a shriveled plant. I need you, oh God, I need you, I need you, oh God, I need you, God, I need you. I begin, God, I need you, I need you, oh God, I need you. Why, how did I get here? Why am I here? Why, why am I not where you are? As I, as I crossed that gap, that metaphorical gap, suddenly something broke. Something just waves and waves and waves of the Father's love came over me, and I began to sob and sob and sob. I mean, there was literally a river of mucus flowing between my nose and the floor, and I did not care. I did not care because the glory of his love coming over me, it was... It was nothing like I had ever experienced. I had experienced the glory of God, the fire of God. I experienced the uh, the 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 uh, the the repentance. The 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 what do you call the uh, huh, severity of God? But this was goodness beyond comprehension. Goodness beyond comprehension. Maybe Moses experienced that on the mountain when God said, I'm going to make all of my goodness pass before you. But here's what I want to say. Listen, no matter what you think you know about God, no matter what you've experienced, no matter what you, what you, what information you've accumulated because of your Bible readings and memorizations and coming to church and hearing others, there is something for you, you personally, you yourself, to experience about God that he wants to pour out in you. He wants you to know that you know that you know he is good. So we have that promise in James that says if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. And this message is partly, partly hinging upon that verse. But I want to read another verse to you from John chapter 10. Normally I'd talk an hour on this scripture, but I won't do that. He starts talking in verse 7. He says, Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. Verse 9. I am the door. Wow. I heard this so many times preached on salvation messages. I am the door. I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it's all true, of course. But he said, I am the door. I said, wow, door. This is great. Through him we go in. But you know what? It's not about just going in. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out. We'll go in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. Not just in. This is not a scripture about being saved. This is not a scripture about having eternal assurance that you are going to go to heaven once you die. This is a scripture about access, present day access, that the sons have been given to their father. 
This is a scripture about an experience you are meant to have in increasing measures of power and glory as you taste and see that he is good. And every time you set your mind to draw near to him, you have an option to enter in. And when you're done entering in as far as you can enter in, then you go out and you live. What preachers do, Really what they do is they introduce you to a realm that they can go into. They go in there and they find something and they bring it back. Not just so you can say, wow, that's great, you're amazing. But that's so you can begin to realize that you can go in also. And what I realized in that moment when I was, I was there that, that I had access but for a year almost. I had retreated from that access because I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel good enough. I was anchored by shame. I was tied up. I was limited by feelings of worthlessness and an inability to come near to him by the blood of Jesus and the blood of Jesus alone. And the the most amazing thing is the fact that me, a normally intelligent person, could live for that long and not realize this growing distance between me and heaven. There are spiritual realities that are just beyond your observation. But that observation, the limit of that observational power, is not what you are destined for. That God's saying, listen, I want to show you more. And here's what it opens up. Here's the question it opens up. Well, how much more can I see? I want to encourage you to spend a lifetime finding out. To pour out the lifeblood of your energy, finding out just how close to him you can be because transformation and change. Well, Yeah, but I need to help people. The best way that you can help people is by being changed by his presence. Because when you come out of that place, your face will glow with a godliness. There will be an infusion of life and positivity. There will be a faith. There will be a knowledge. There will be a power and an optimism and encouragement, a spirit from God that feeds others as they look at you. Remember when Moses went up the mountain, he came back. And he had to put a veil on his face because the brilliance of his face, he had absorbed so much of the glory of God that the brilliance of his face was too much for for regular encounters. Occasionally down through history you find men who could not have regular lives because of the measure of the presence of God that was on them most people could not bear. If you read about men like Smith Wigglesworth and, and others, you know, it's, it, it, they didn't hold themselves separate from others because they were too good for the common people, but people could not handle. Their zeal could not handle even the presence of God that came on Smith Wigglesworth when he prayed. Nobody else could handle. They had to leave the room. They felt like if they didn't leave the room, they would die. There's more, but do you believe it? A few years ago, there was a video came up on Facebook or something. It was Tiger Woods, and he's bouncing a ball, on, you know, on the end of a, I can't even remember, I don't know if it was two, three feet up, and he was just click, 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 and he's just bouncing a ball, bouncing a ball. 
And I mean, the suddenly the big controversy was this was fake. This was not real, because you can't do that. You just you just can't do that. But you know what? The limits of human potential, the skills that people have, are suddenly flooded our homes through our iPads and our computers, and we're looking at people. We're looking at men and women doing physical feats that are like, holy, I had no clue. I had no clue. That kind of capacity, that kind of skill. If you had told me that people could do that, I said, not a chance. Why? Because I measure the world by the limitations of my own skills. And I've observed somebody, yeah, I'm not the best. If I'm really, really good, I might say I'm not the best, but you know what? It's not, there's not much beyond me. That's the, that's the sinister thought right now. There's not that much beyond me. In God, the mindset of the Christian that says there's not that much beyond me is demonic. That is a spiritual stronghold. Foisted on us, by mediocre spiritual leaders who didn't want anybody embarrassing them because because they needed to be seen as the foremost, the utmost in the eyes of the people. I'm telling you, there are people, men and women, experiencing more of God than you can imagine. And you're not experiencing, not because it's not available, but because you have to believe to start. You have to believe. You have to believe. Well, I did believe for a day. I did believe for a week. I did believe a whole month I prayed. How much longer should I pray? Evidently, more. This life is a pilgrimage. It is from start to finish an opportunity to know him in incomprehensible ways. And we can let golf, we can let TV, we can let attitudes, we can let religion, we can let sin, we can let all kinds of things interfere with the greatest opportunity mankind has been given to know him. So I say this not to say you've wasted your life. I say this to say don't waste today. Don't waste tomorrow begin to realize what it is, the gift that you have been given because it's available and he will be found. Well, yeah, but I, I tried. Not enough. The Bible says, if you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. Let every man be a liar and let God be true. Yeah, but I sought you. Well, you did not fulfill the equation Think of the accusation there. So you think you sought God with all your heart. I'm talking to somebody. You think you sought God with all your heart and you didn't find him. I'm telling you, let every man be a liar and God be true. It's a perfect equation if you seek me with all your heart. See, what we're learning is how do I engage on the splintering... um, partitioning places of my heart? How do I gather the strength of desire? What is it that you do so full-heartedly? What do you pursue? Is it sports? Is it a wife? Is it money? There are things that we do with all of our heart. Can we harness that same capacity to seek him? 
If we do, we will find him. And let me tell you, he will be made known by a world in this generation, by a church, by a people who have found him. And they might presently mostly be out there. They might be presently the Antifa and the BLM people, the rioters. They might be tattooed and pierced individuals that you would never want to set your eyes on or be the lead person in your company right now. But I'm telling you, there are people out there with capacity to pursue him with full hearts. And if he doesn't find it here, he's going to find it there. So as we close, and I I want us to ask God to awaken us. Father, I pray. Let's stand together. We're going to sing a song as we close. Just let that presence, let let the, the seed of the Word of God germinate in you and create new possibilities about what you can have. Let it create new possibilities about what you can have. And you might be, at, you know, at the tail end of your life and you think, you know what, I, my life's pretty good. I, I've been a Christian a long time, and I, I'm not the worst of sinners, you know. Yeah, there's some tweaking God would like to do, but, you know, I'm financially, I'm financially stable and had a good career and got grandkids now. No, no, no. There's more. There's more. Father, I pray you would raise up a generation of gray heads, Lord, that live to their dying days longing for more of you. Their last breath, Father, is, is, is released, crying out for more of you. God, I pray you would awaken us today with the knowledge that you're ready to give. You're ready to open your hand. Oh, Father. You know, when you when you got a mechanical or electrical problem, and you're not sure where the problem is, it's very hard to fix. And I want you to know the problem in the connection between you and God is not on his side. And you only have to focus in one place. The problem is human error. I guarantee you the problem is human error. The problem is human error. And when I cross a threshold in my life, when I realize that, God, I've been blaming the church, I've been blaming other people, I've been blaming my lack of opportunity, I've been blaming my stature, I've been blaming my lack of, of good looks, I've been blaming my sex, I've been blaming my intelligence, I've been blaming my lack of skill, I've been blaming everything except myself for that which you want to give me. Father, I'm done pointing the finger at everyone else. Start with me. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more. So as we sing, come to grips with this. Nobody but me is keeping me from a greater destiny. Nobody but me is keeping me from more light. Nobody but me is keeping me from drawing near to incomprehensible beauty. Nobody is stopping me, only me. Father, I lay me on the altar. I want more. I want more. God wants to give us today the same kind of belief that you have as an athlete. When you go out and you've run for year after year after year, two kilometers, three kilometers, but one day you're feeling particularly good and you think... 
you know, I'm going to break my record today. I'm going to go five. I'm going to go ten. When it comes to physical thresholds that we, we feel, suddenly we believe, I think I can do this other level. I think I can go there. There, there, is, there is a capacity that God wants to give you. You know, you might be here visiting us today, and you might be thinking, well, those people worship God as though he can be found. Those, God, those people cry out to God as though he's listening. I pray that that's the culture that you want, because that's the culture that we need to be. And he might not answer us today or tomorrow exactly the way that we want, but if we persevere, we will erode the pride we will erode the egg on your face in fear of looking like more desperate than we deserve. I don't care if it looks like I'm desperate. I'm going for this with all my strength. And if people mock because they say, well, what happened new this week? I don't care. I know there's more to be found. So, Father, today... God, that you would put something inside of us today, something inhuman, something, a knowledge that will not allow us to turn around, that will not allow us to return to lukewarm, timid Christianity where we pour our strength and time into everything else but you. Father, we want to pour out our lives for you.